0: Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe.
1: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Today's Tuesday, October 11. I'm Mark Matthews, Head of Research Asia at Bank Julius Baer, and welcome to our weekly market update. All last week, the Federal Reserve seemed to want to send a signal that in no way, shape, or form was it going to adopt a less hawkish stance. In fact, it seemed downright angry the market was starting to think it might do that. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly said the Fed had not pivoted, in other words, changed to a new policy. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari said, I think we're quite a ways away from a pause and there's almost no evidence that inflation has peaked yet. Fed Governor Christopher Waller said inflation is far from the FOMC's goal and not likely to fall quickly. And lastly, another Fed Governor, Lisa Cook, said inflation remains stubbornly and unacceptably high. Now, the Federal Reserve has always said it's data-dependent, and recently it's honed in on two specific data points it wants to see soften. Core inflation, in other words, inflation excluding food and energy, and employment. Let's talk about employment first. Friday last week saw the release of the Non-Farm Payrolls Report, one of the most influential data series released by the U.S. government. As its name suggests, it measures the number of workers excluding farm workers and a few other small categories. 263,000 new non-farm employees were hired in September, according to that report, and that shows the labor market is still healthy, but it was a decline from the 315,000 who were hired in August, and it's significantly below the monthly average from January to August of 420,000. It's also worth noting that in August, there were 1.5 million layoffs, up from 1.4 million in July, and those layoffs tended to be in sectors that gained the most during the pandemic, like warehousing and transportation. Companies' job postings have fallen sharply, too. All of that suggests labor market tightness has peaked. Then, in terms of the other data point the Fed wants to see soften, core inflation, well, all eyes are on the September Consumer Price Index that comes out this Friday. The Fed actually pays closer attention to another inflation reading, the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, but that doesn't get released until October 28, and anyway, the two track each other fairly closely. The consensus among economists looks for the core consumer price index to rise 0.4% in September over August, and that would be a decline from the 0.6% increase in August over July. Julius Baer economists note several signals are pointing to a slowing in inflation. For example, the Freytos Global Index that measures the price of ocean container freight was at 1,500 before COVID. It went up to a high of 11,100 a year ago. It's back at 3,700 now. So that's a sign supply chains are rebalancing and the price of goods should come down. Two other key things to watch are rent and healthcare prices. And on rent, there are multiple signs that falling home prices are finally starting to slow rent inflation. The most recent one was a report from RealPage, that's a property management software company, that showed asking rents fell in September for the first time since December 2020. And then for healthcare, Well, drug prices already went up by a third from July last year to July this year, and that means the base effect of last year's high prices is going to temper further very large increases from here. For health insurance prices, retained earnings of health insurance companies are how the government captures the cost of offering health insurance, and because of the strange way those are accounted for, the data actually only gets released once a year in September or October, Experts say those are likely about to swing back into negative territory, and that should mean a substantial drop in the medical health insurance basket of the consumer price index in the months ahead. I might add there's also evidence coming out of the third quarter results of listed companies that consumers are pulling back on their spending or shifting to cheaper substitutes. For example, Levi Strauss said last week that it's noticed consumers are shifting their focus away from higher-priced products and clothes to essentials. And we expect that to continue as the wealth effect of lower asset prices, how property and stocks, starts to weigh on demand. Of course, that doesn't sound very bullish, does it? But in a strange way it is, because it should mean that what's left of the current rate hike cycle will be much less aggressive than the Federal Reserve is portraying in its own dot plot. That's the chart that records each official's projection for interest rates and what the futures market is pricing in. And they both point to a Fed funds rate that keeps rising until it gets to 4.5% sometime next year. Well, we, on the other hand, weigh the evidence I just mentioned about employment and inflation, and we look for a 50 basis point hike at the Fed's next meeting on November third, and by the way, that's twenty five basis points less than the market expects at that meeting. That would take the Fed funds' rate to three and three quarters percent. And that's where we think it stops. We think it holds from there. So you might ask, why is the Fed still using such hawkish language and committed to such a big rate hike cycle going forward? if it's clear that inflation is coming down. And if we were to speculate, we'd say the reason is because it worries that if it declares victory now, then inflation would just spike right back up again. So it thinks it has to stay hawkish. But at a certain point, we'll go from where we are today to even more convincing evidence and then to real proof that the battle against inflation is being won. That's when the Fed could change its mind very quickly. Already, it's interesting to note the slight nuance of caution and comments from two Fed officials yesterday. Fed Vice Chairwoman Lael Brainard said, there's clarity that monetary policy will be restrictive for some time until there's confidence inflation comes down. Well, I admit there's no caution or nuance in that. But then she added, we also will be learning as we go and that assessment will reflect incoming data and also risks, both domestically and globally, the actual policy path will be data dependent. And into a nod to the financial markets, she said, we are also very aware that the cross-border effects of unexpected movements in interest rates and exchange rates, as well as worsening external imbalances, in some cases could interact with financial vulnerabilities. She said the Fed's dot plot was very helpful at a point in time, but she said, things can change. That's quite nuanced in caution compared to before. And then Chicago Fed President Charles Evans spoke yesterday too, and he said front-loading was a good thing, given how far below neutral rates were. But overshooting is costly too, and there's great uncertainty about how restrictive policy must actually become. This puts a premium on the strategy of getting to a place where policy can plan to rest and evaluate data developments. So, to end with markets, well, markets are choppy and volatile. Let's face it, we're in a bear market. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index is down 25% from where it started the year. The average bear market since World War II has been a loss in value of about a third. Will this one be that much or even worse? We say no because, as I just said, we see the rate hike cycle peaking soon. Now, one thing worth considering is that it takes a few months for the impact of higher interest rates to be felt in the economy. This current rate hike cycle has been the fastest of any since the early 1980s. It could be that the rate hikes that have already happened have been so fast and furious that they'll cause a recession even if the Fed doesn't hike much more. But our sense is that if there is a recession, it'll be a mild one because the labor market is still strong. The unemployment rate is 3.5%, which is low compared to the average of the past 30 years of 5.8%. And if it's a mild recession, then we would argue that with the S&P already down 25%, it's been priced in. Looking back in history, the average decline in bear markets that were not accompanied by recessions or were only accompanied by very mild recessions was approximately 20%, like in 1990, for example. So to conclude, we think the bottom of this bear market is in sight, it will be a choppy process, but with it, we think we'll come a year-end rally to round off this otherwise difficult year. This is Mark Matthews signing off for now. I wish you a great week ahead. Goodbye.
0: You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking. Visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to